Let's now take our Bibles and open God's holy word to the book of Deuteronomy. We'll read from Deuteronomy chapter 10, the verses 12 through 22. Deuteronomy chapter 10, beginning at verse 12, this is the word of our God. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you above all peoples, as it is this day. Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice, justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him. And to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. And as our text for this afternoon, we once again turn our attention to James, the letter of James. We're up to James chapter 1, the verses 26 and 27. These words... If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So far. And after the sermon, we will sing Psalm 68, the stanzas 3 and 12. The theme for the sermon is the Lord's instruction regarding the character of true religion. And we'll see how true religion is this, to control the tongue, to visit the afflicted, to stay pure in the world. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
do you consider yourself religious? Adam and Andrew, you will publicly profess your faith this afternoon. But why? Is it because you are religious and want to be good, moral, and outstanding individuals? I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have heard people speak rather negatively about religion. Plenty of people have been turned off by what they have experienced in the church where they were members, and sometimes they were turned off for good reason. Perhaps you have some sympathy for those who argue organized religion you can keep it. It's stifling and it is a perfect setup for narcissistic people to come in and abuse and victimize others. And why should I want to be part of any organization that has that, has that potential? Look at the damage the church has done to individuals. And I'm not talking about the church in some remote place but reformed churches who are so convinced that they have a monopoly on the truth. I don't need religion to believe in God. So goes the argument. To be in a relationship with Jesus or to be a good person. Religion just forces you into a mold where everyone ends up thinking the same, speaking the same, sounding the same, and eating Wilhelmina peppermints in church if that is their brand of Christianity. And if you happen to think a little differently, you will be shunned and pushed to the sidelines. Now, it's true, of course, that the cry of the Spirit, both in the Old and New Testament, is that we should not make religion into an outward form with no substance. The law and the prophets and the Psalms warn repeatedly against pseudo-religion, a religion of outward piety, of those who abuse the vulnerable and subvert justice. Our Lord Jesus spoke out against those who held the form of religion but who denied its power. People who simply went through the rituals and the motions and the regulations of religion without there being a living relationship with the Lord God. The Lord God spoke out against those whose religion, who served, them with, who served Him with their lips, but whose hearts were far removed from Jesus. You see, the outward manifestation of religion is entirely worthless and useless if we are lacking an inner commitment. And that's just as much a danger for us as it is for anyone else. For if we think ourselves above such tendencies as reformed churches and individuals, we are fooling ourselves. That being said, we shouldn't walk away from here thinking a relationship with God and religion are mutually exclusive. For the problem is not with religion, 
but with the sinful heart that misuses what the Lord intended the Christian religion to be. The problem is with the deception of the human heart that twists and warps religion. Unfortunately, people do enter the church community who seek to control and dominate, but who have no heart for Jesus. And they must be exposed for who they are. We can look and sound pious in worship and song when we are together as God's people. But it is all worthless if it lacks the substance of the gospel of Christ and gives no indication of the transforming power of the Spirit within us. So what then is the religion God accepts? And before we answer that question, we need to answer another. What is religion? Simply put, religion is the outward manifestation of what God is doing in us. James, as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus, does not leave us in the dark, but answers this question throughout his letter. The emphasis of this book is this. Those who know the saving power of Jesus are to serve God with an undivided heart, lingering at the perfect mirror of God's law where they see their own sinfulness and unworthiness, but also behold the face of their Lord and Savior. So the essence of true religion emerges from an internal reality. The outward patterns of our life are a result of the inward working power of the Holy Spirit. When you arrived in this world as a little baby, you couldn't hide the fact that you were born. Everyone knew you arrived. And some of us made that arrival more obvious than others. And the same must be said of rebirth. Evidence of your rebirth cannot remain hidden away behind closed doors. When the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit takes hold of your life, you will see results. Others will see that God has visited you with His salvation, that God showed up. James puts before us how our lives cannot remain the same when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit through the word that he has given to us. True religion, religion that is pure and undefiled, is rooted in Christ and his finished redemptive work. It is rooted in Christ's compassion, his love, his kindness, his mercy. And when we come to understand this, we will also grasp that being religious isn't the same as being known to others as moral or charitable or hospitable or people that go to church on Sundays and do not use bad language. That's a deduction that we might be tempted to make from this text, which isn't valid. You may have made this mistake yourself. Someone asks you, so how 
do you go about showing yourself to be a Christian and you respond by saying, well, I don't swear, I don't drink excessively, I try to be friendly to others, and I have a deep concern for the unborn. But that's not what makes you Christian or religious. We shouldn't reduce religion or equate religion with a certain moralism or humanitarianism. Religion has everything to do with who we are in Christ. So true religion is this. The Lord Jesus has made you his own by his grace and through the word of truth and who you are as moved by the Spirit, that will be on display in how you talk and in the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. James 1 verse 26 and 27 are to be read in the light of what stands central to chapter 1. Namely, the words of chapter 1, verse 18. God chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So it's God who takes the initiative. He uses the instrument of his word and he makes clear what his intention is for all that goes on in our lives. So true religion is the outcome of what God is working within us. A true religion, as explained in the verses 26 and 27, give evidence of what Christ, through the renewing power of the Holy Spirit, does in the heart of a destitute sinner. And that's why for you, Adam and Andrew... And for all the rest of us as congregation to profess faith in Christ and to live an unchanged life is unthinkable. To say it with a familiar hymn, true religion must be grounded in this. With every breath I long to follow Jesus. For he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day I know that he will renew me until I stand with joy before his throne. To this I hold. My hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. In our text, James does not give a comp comprehensive picture of religion, but gives us three characteristics of true religion. A controlled tongue, a compassionate heart, and a clean manner of living. And first then, when the word of truth is at work in you, your tongue will be bridled and will be brought under control of the Holy Spirit. James writes, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is useless. Well, let's think about this a little deeper. 
And this is not just for adults, but all of us, for our boys and girls too. What you say with your mouth, what rolls off your tongue, says a lot about you. Your tongue is an attestation, a living testimony of what lives in your heart. If you have no control of your tongue, you are not working out what the Lord is working in you. An unbridled and unrestrained tongue uncovers a person who lacks the fruit of the Spirit, namely self-control. What crosses our lips is an index of what you are to the core of your person. Your mouth is the gateway to your heart. So to claim you know Christ while your tongue is unbridled gives evidence of self-deception. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God has the heart ruled by the Holy Spirit and consequently the tongue controlled by the love of Christ. And the point James makes confirms what our Lord Jesus declares in Matthew chapter 12, verse 37, when he said, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Our words reveal our heart and are an indicator of the depth of our spiritual life and of our religion. It is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. The unbridled tongue is the self-justifying speech that says things against God, blaming Him for the things that go wrong in our life. The uncontrolled tongue is the tongue that flatters and grooms others for our own gain. The uncontrolled tongue praises God while in church, but boasts about oneself the rest of the week. The uncontrolled tongue is careless, hasty, and insensitive. The uncontrolled tongue has no filters. James writes, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And the word James uses for worthless means accomplishing nothing. Religion that sings psalms and hymns and worship, but uses that same tongue elsewhere to slander and gossip and malign and throw out vitriol and is known as a potty mouth, accomplishes nothing. For then our hearts are ruled by people and by our environment and not by Christ. Real religion calls for mouths and lips and tongues to be ruled by a love for the Lord Jesus and for the word of truth. True religion reflects what the Spirit is doing in our hearts through the hearing of the word. And with hearts on fire, our tongues are controlled by the flame of the word. So this is the first test of true religion. Now you might be thinking, well that's easy for you to say, Mr. Minister, who nicely sits 
at his log house all week looking at the birds. If you had to work where I do, had to listen to the arguments of the individuals I must deal with every day, you'd have a pretty hard time too. But that's really beside the point, isn't it? I am called to control my tongue as much as anyone else. This is not about religious five-star or gold-star ratings. The first test of true religion is just as much for me as it is for you. The test comes for me in what I preach and teach and the way my sentences are formulated, but also for me when I am in my garden and the chipmunks have dug up my flower bulbs, or when I am texting and emailing or responding to what comes my way via social media. Adam and Andrew, you will be joining many in the congregation who profess faith in Christ. Well, let not your tongues contradict what you have learned from Christ. Oh, this is a word of exhortation for all of us. Let's use our tongues to praise the Lord, to speak of Jesus without hesitation, to encourage fellow believers, to instruct in the wisdom of God, to build and to heal relationships. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God also involves visiting the afflicted in their needs. For James continues in verse 27, religion that is pure, clean, the real thing, and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit, that is, look after, orphans and widows in their affliction, in their troubles, trials, and tribulations. The care of the afflicted is the duty of the church. And here in our text, it is specified as a sign of true religion. The widow and the orphan are the lonely and the afflicted people who are to be shown the love and the compassion and kindness of God. Orphans and widows are mentioned specifically because if the church community is to show to the world that the love of Christ is in our hearts, it will be visible in acts of kindness and compassion to those who are vulnerable and need the protection and the help of others. God expects us to look after people who bear a heavy load, who are in distress and troubled, who suffer and who are lonely, who are unable to participate in congregational life as they would like to. And that starts in our care for widows in the church. But it is not limited to them. It extends to the lonely and the destitute in our community. We show the love and compassion of Christ to others without leaving this to others. <clears throat> the Lord our God has always had a special concern for the lonely and those in distress. Psalm 68, which we will sing, praises the Lord because He is the Father of the fatherless and the protector of widows. And He gives this protection to His people 
in his holy habitation. In the church, the Lord gives the desolate a home to dwell in. And you and I are to protect and provide for the widow and the orphan. The book, of, the book of Deuteronomy gives specific direction as to how the people of the Lord were to show compassion to the afflicted by providing for their needs. The fatherless and the widows were not left to themselves to fend for their own needs. No, the people of the covenant were instructed to practice religion by making sure widows and orphans were included in the religious festivals and the occasions in which the church celebrated the goodness and the mercy of the Lord. For the church is to reflect God's care and compassion by looking after orphans and widows. If God's care doesn't filter through us to them, all our religious service is void of any meaning. So true religion calls me to step out of my comfort zone, to reach out to those in need with genuine acts of kindness that are fruit of the Holy Spirit at work within me. Oh, we can easily fill our weeks with all sorts of things, but have we robbed religion of its power? of the compassion, the kindness, the love, the mercy we as church are called by God to show others. And these are questions that I pose, not to berate you, but in order that you and I, transformed by the Holy Spirit, should give glory to God. It's so easy for us to get caught up doing things in our own family cir circle. Maybe circus too, but in our own family circle, in focusing on immediate family and in our group of friends. But let us not forget to put on display the compassion and kindness the Lord has shown you by reaching out to those who suffer and are afflicted. Pure and undefiled religion is on display when we love people and show kindness and compassion to the most vulnerable and distressed. The term James uses for visiting orphans and widows implies a continued awareness, a persistent ministry. We mirror and reflect the love, mercy, and compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. It describes a heart that is mindful of the needs of others and seeks to provide help for them. And when we show compassion to the afflicted and care for the lonely, comforting them with the word of God in word and deed, God comes to them through us. A remarkable example of how this works is given to us in the book of Luke. The Lord Jesus raises from the dead the son of the widow of Nain. And then we read, Jesus gave him to his mother. Why? Well, as a widow, 
she needed her only son. And the Lord, in an act of kindness and compassion, gives her son back to her. That's religion, pure and undefiled. And how do those who see this react? They glorify God and they say, God has visited his people. Knowing that God is the father of the fatherless and has special concern for the widow and seeing the compassion of the Lord Jesus, the people exclaim, God came for a visit because this is what God is like. And when the church today shows compassion and kindness to the needs of humanity, starting within the church and then broadening that into the surrounding community, then in a very graphic way, those who see it and those who experience it can exclaim, guess what? The Lord showed up. God came for a visit. Yes, that's our great privilege as people of God. Pure and undefiled religion is not about the things we do, but it proclaims God came for a visit through the people he calls to help the needy. God showed up when he visited his people with redemption in Jesus, and he shows up through the ministry of the church. He wants all to experience his care and compassion through us, not through random acts of kindness, but constant acts of kindness to those who cannot give anything in return. And the final characteristic of true religion is to keep oneself unstained from the world. And James uses the word world more often in this letter. And each time it refers to the system, the culture, and the lifestyle around us which is alienated from the Lord. Real religion is this, to remain unblemished by the world. And practically speaking, this means that the culture of the day, the thinking of a godless society, does not dictate how we act. But we take our cue from the word of the Lord. And note well, people who profess religion are not saved because they keep themselves unstained from the world. True believers keep themselves unstained from the world because they are saved through Jesus. Our culture bombards our eyes, ears, thoughts, and imagination with its philosophy, leading us to believe that if we don't follow its standards, we are bound to lose out. It attempts to erode our values and standards. It clamors for our time, our money, and our energy. And as a result, we might be tempted to adopt a general way of life which is not discernibly different from those who do not know Christ. But let's not forget that those transformed by the Spirit may not be conformed to this world. 
The values of our culture so often contradict God's desires. And that is why James will write in chapter 4, verse 4, that friendship with the world is hatred toward God. Well, beloved, knowing the message of the cross, let us show true thankfulness with a religion that runs deeper than outward observance and rituals. Oh, we all fail, and sometimes miserably. But let each of us go back to the standard of true religion. Those who have heard the word of truth will control the use of their tongues. They will have compassionate hearts and they will keep themselves from a world defiled with sin. And if this afternoon's message has exposed something in your own heart that is lacking or phony in your religion, see this as a time to seek the Lord for His mercy. And to look to Jesus whose love and kindness you are to mirror. And pray that your relationship with God is one of undivided devotion. And that your religion before God is pure and undefiled. So that when the report about you is heard, others may conclude, the Lord has visited his people. Yes, God showed up. Amen.